0: folks welcome to the arabian horse connection the official podcast of the arabian horse association tune in every other week as we discuss industry trends news and all things arabian horses we are here to honor the versatility heritage and future of the arabian horse connecting you to this legendary breed i'm your host katie feitner join me as we delve into the world of arabian horses Today we are joined by Christy Landwehr, CEO of the Certified Horsemanship Association known as CHA. Christy has been in the equine industry for over 35 years riding and teaching many disciplines and breeds. Christy is a master level riding instructor and the equine facility manager through the Certified Horsemanship Association and has taught students in 4-H and Pony Club. She is past president of the American Youth Horse Council and past board member of the Colorado Horse Council. She founded, competed on, and coached the University of Colorado at Boulder Intercollegiate Horse Show Association equestrian team. Christy is also an AQHA and APHA professional horseman and sits on the Colorado State University Equine Sciences Advisory Council and on the Interscholastic Equestrian Association Board. Christy has her bachelor's degree in communications and a minor in speech, and her master's is in journalism with a minor in marketing. She was the Sponsorship and Youth Programs Manager for the Arabian Horse Association, a trainer for Skillpath Seminars, and the Development Director for the Urban Farm that works with at-risk youth in Denver. Currently, she is the Chief Executive Officer for CAHA and a clinician and site accreditor for the organization. Christy has spoken at numerous equine events, breed, and discipline conventions throughout her career. Today, Christy gives me the inside scoop on CHA and how it can help Arabian horse owners take their skills to the next level. Christy and I chat about all the various programs CHA offers, including the certifications from equine facility management to English and Western disciplines. Arabian Horse Connection listeners will also be receiving a special discount on CHA's virtual international conference with code AHA to receive CHA's member rate. Without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to Christy Landwehr. Thanks so much for uh, being on our podcast. Uh, sure. I appreciate it a lot. Um, I'm excited to get to talk to you about CHA. Um, so, first, sure. Christy, can you give our listeners just a little bit of background about how you got started in the equine industry and how you got your start with CHA?
1: I sure can. So um, I grew up in Southern California in a location that we were lucky enough to have a uh, kind of an outdoor riding arena complex that was connected to trails. We actually had 26 mile of trail in Fullerton, California that we had to share with mountain bikes and hikers and all kinds of things. And I was um, as a youth actually on the Fullerton Recreational Riders, which is the club that managed this arena. To the point where we actually went to city council and said, look, to access this 26-mile of trail in Fullerton, we have to cross major streets, like two and three lane either direction, so six-lane total highways, um, on our horses. And a lot of us are tall on tall horses, and we can't reach down to push the pedestrian crossing at the traffic signal. Could you please create them where they're high up too? To this day, all these years later, when I go and visit my family in Southern California, those are still there.
0: Oh my and gosh, that's really cool. <laughs> access,
1: isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> Either up high or down low. It's so cool. So it was an amazing place um, to grow up. My parents didn't know a thing about horses, but you know, once they moved from Cerritos, California to Fullerton, California, and I had all that in my backyard, I started begging and uh, started taking riding lessons at actually an Arabian facility, Eldona Reisner Arns in Carbon Canyon, California and she's still a member of yours and still very active in the Arab industry. She had um, Arabians and that's who I learned on. I learned on Hezrin and a bunch of other wonderful horses and she got me very involved in horse showing at a very young age. I was showing in um, Hunter Pleasure and English Pleasure and Western Pleasure and a bunch of things through her. And then One of her um, also past students was uh, Wendy, and uh, at the time, Wendy Griffith. And you, of course, know Wendy as, um, you know, other last names now, because she ended up at Brass Ring and all kinds of things. So Wendy was my instructor for a really long time as well. And um, again, all this time I didn't own a horse. And I started um, showing Arabians, at the regional, local, and national level way back then. And it was back in the 80s when Arabians were an outrageous price Um, and my parents were like, no, we're not going to buy you an Arabian. So they bought me um, a POA, actually, and I showed my POA 2 and the Arabians. Um, Liz Broadbent was the owner of the Arabians. And so with Wendy Potts and also with Liz um, started to go to U.S. nationals. Um, Back then it was youth. Um, and you uh, an uh, adult combined, and it was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and started to do that. And it was just such an adventure and such a journey. And with Wendy, I was one of her very first equitation riders, so it was everything. Her mother, Dorothy, was making my saddle seat outfits for the Saddle Seat Eck. Um, I got to ride in native costume. I got to ride in, again, the Western horsemanship, the hunter pleasure. I got to jump and do the Hunt seat Eck over fences. It was awesome actually very, very awesome to be able to do all those different things that you can do on an Arabian um, way back in the day. So that was super. And then I ended up going to school um, at Cal State Fullerton for my undergrad. And then I got my master's degree at the University of Colorado here in Boulder, um, Colorado. And that's when I moved. And I never went back To California. Um, I was able to buy uh, after I graduated with my master's degree in journalism. Um, I was a broadcast news anchor for a while and was able to purchase with my husband, um, who I met out here, uh, 10 acres. And I have those same 10 acres now with horses in my backyard. So that was a hard thing to do and still is a hard thing to do in Southern California. Now, unfortunately, it's a hard thing to do here, too, I think. But that was just such a blessing. And I started um, teaching writing lessons. I've kind of always taught California and here. And I ended up at a place called the Urban Farm, which works for that risk youth. And they wanted me to get certified. They said, you should get certified as an instructor. That's a really important thing to do. So I said, sure, I would love to do that. And we found out about CHA um, through Julie Goodnight. Um, some of your listeners might know her. She's done a lot on rfdtv And so she and I um, knew each other from American Youth Horse Council. And we, um, they said, well, you need to get certified. So I did do that. And then I ended up working there at the Arabian Horse Association. And I worked there for about four, almost five years as your youth programs manager. Um, Some of your listeners might have known me as Christy Rucker back then because it was right before I got married that I was working there and then got married while I was there. And that was um, awesome. I got to meet a lot of really good people because of that and those types of things. And then Julie said one day, hey, um, CHA is looking for a marketing director. Are you interested in that? And I'll be honest with you, I have always been kind of an all breed, all discipline kind of gal. And I went, huh, CHA and I teach a lot of lessons and I believe in safety, let's do this thing. So I became their marketing director and now I'm their chief executive officer. So, I hope that wasn't too long of a story, but that is kind of the journey in a nutshell. It excludes things like working for Medieval Times as a stable wench for five years uh, when I was in high school. That was also very fun, um, and some other journeys along the way, but that's kind of the overall journey.
0: That's awesome. I love the, um, I didn't know that you worked um, at Medieval Times, but I'm sure that was pretty fun. <laughs>
1: That was great. I um yeah, I got to groom the horses primarily. Um, but every now and then there would be I I never got to be a knight. That that was not allowed. (laughs) But they did um let me go in as like a as part of the quadrille where there was four dressage riders up and we would do a Mm -hmm. quadrille. Um, they also let me ride in the hundredth annual Tournament of Roses parade as the countess for medieval times, um side saddle on a prancing uh illusion for six and a half miles. So that's definitely an adventure as well. Oh
0: my gosh, that's really cool. It's also um, really um, very interesting that you have a pretty strong background with Arabians as well. And I'm so glad that they kind of helped you in into your next step with CHA as well.
1: Yes, it really was definitely like that because I was part of the American Youth Horse Council board because of working for the Arabian Horse Association. Um, They put me on that board and AYHC was happy to have me on there because of being part of the Arabian Association. So it's funny how all these things tie in together. And then that's Mm -hmm. how I met Julie Goodnight, who told me about CHA. And so for, again, all your listeners, you know, networking me is probably the most important thing you can do in in any industry, but I would say, especially in the horse industry, we are still kind of a handshake community. We like to look a person in the eye, have a conversation, Mm -hmm. and it is about who you know as well as what you know for sure. That's Mm -hmm. very helpful.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. We still have, our industry is large, but it's also very small. You know, everyone kind of knows, has a connection somewhere, right? So 100% agree with that. So can you um, tell our listeners a little bit about what CHA is all about?
1: Definitely. So CHA stands for Certified Horsemanship Association, and we've been around since 1967. I have not. I was not born then. But the association has been around since 1967. And that's a long time. And we started off back then as what's called CAMP Horsemanship Association, hence the CHA. And we basically certified instructors at camps, so your YMCA, your Boy Scouts, your Girl Scouts, your Christian camps, anything that had a horse program. There were a bunch of um, camp directors that got together and said, hey, we need to know when somebody gets hired as staff for us, what they know. And they all say they're experienced, because what do most most people that ride a horse on a trail think? They've ridden on one trail ride, hey, I'm an experienced rider. Well, not necessarily. Um, So these poor camp directors were hiring these kids primarily right out of you know high school and college that didn't necessarily know anything let alone how to teach other people to ride and they went okay this is a problem we have to fix this so they created our very first composite manual of horsemanship level one through four level one being you can teach basic walk trot level two being now we're starting to teach lope and canter level three being now we're doing simple changes we're introducing jumping reining horsemanship Level four being now we're doing full-blown horse showing with flying lead changes, cross-country jumps, stadium jumps, full-blown reining patterns, on and on. So that's what they created. And at that time, um, that was really helpful because then somebody would say, hey, I'm a level two. I got certified as level two. They're like, oh, good. You can teach walk, trot, beginning, canter. That's what our program does. Perfect. So that's kind of the foundation of who we are and what we still are today. Um, We certify. During about 80 certifications in a normal year, um, all throughout the U.S. and Canada, anyone listening, um, your site could potentially be a host site of ours and you could make money um, doing these certifications on your facility. Um, anyone listening that's also an instructor, and again, we believe in instructor certification, not trainer So we're not certifying you how to be a horse trainer and train the horse. We're certifying you how to be a riding instructor and train the person on a trained horse. So that's just something that we always like to mention. And we also certify 100% group riding instruction. So, those of you that teach private, that's great. Um, You can still certainly come and get certified by us, but you might not go as high as you think because we want to make sure anyone that gets certified could teach in any location. So, you could go teach at a camp that has eight up at a time, or you could go teach at a university right, that has an intercollegiate program that has eight up at a time or whatever the case may be. So just make sure, anyone listening before you come get certified, that you have had a little bit of group background in teaching groups. And we do a lot of education with webinars and videos. Um, Our website, cha.horse, has a lot of that for anyone that's interested. But that's our primary existence. And we have um, certified over 35,000 people in our time frame that we've been around, and we basically certify the person that teaches the beginner and intermediate to ride. Yes, there are some of us that teach at a very high level, but 80% of our members, time and time again, when we do a membership survey, we're first touch. We all own school horses, and we teach beginners to ride.
0: Okay, that's super interesting. Uh, the part that you said, um, trainer versus riding instructor, I think that's an important differentiation. Um, you can't necessarily be certified as a horse trainer, but a riding instructor. Um, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: Yes, yeah, so and I think it's so important for people to know that in other countries, such as Canada and over in Europe, there's a differentiation between instructor, trainer, and coach. So an instructor truly is teaching the person, trainer truly is teaching the horse, and a coach is teaching people at an extremely high level. So a coach is somebody that's teaching people to go to your U.S. nationals, your Canadian nationals, your sport horse nationals, things like that. You know, it's a very high level instructor.
0: Gotcha. That's really interesting. So how does the certification process work? Do Is there an application that you would have to um, fill out? How do you sign up?
1: Yes. So we have, if you go to um, cha.horse, we have clinics by location, clinics by date, and clinics by type. Um, probably our primary one that we do is our English Western instructor certification. About 80% of our certifications every year are this genre, and you attend one of our host sites, and um, at our host site, you will be there for five days. Our English Western instructor is a 40-hour certification, so five days, and you will teach, teach, and teach some more, and everybody will role play for you as your students, especially as you're starting at the beginner level. You know, you'll say, all right, everybody, you're 12, Um, get on the horses, let's go ahead and ride. You've never ridden before, and I'm going to teach, stop, start, steer. So people are going to role play. They're going to hold the horn if they're riding Western. They're going to put their toes down. They're going to put their heels up. They're going to do stuff that beginners do. And the instructor will coach them through um, how to fix those problems and those kinds of things. At the end of their uh, riding lesson, They will evaluate themselves on how they think they did as an instructor. Um, They'll have an assistant, another one of the participants that will also evaluate how they think they did. And then every single rider that role plays for them will also evaluate how they did and then the two certifiers will evaluate. So there's instant feedback to know, all right, I wasn't loud enough, or all right, I didn't handle this one issue well, or all right, I'm doing everything really great, let's continue. And then you get to work up through the levels in both English and Western. So unlike some programs where you have to start level one and then wait a few months, go back to level two, for us, if you've been teaching for years, you could come out with your master level, which is level four, four, English and Western with jumping in flat work on the English side. In just the one week, so we don't require you to keep coming back now, if you've never really taught before, you're probably going to get assistant. Um, you're probably not even going to get a level, but if you've done quite a bit of teaching prior to coming, then you're probably going to do quite well.
0: So is there an option? Let's say you're going to go get a certification. Um, is it like a pass fail type of type of process? Um, And if so, is there an opportunity for that person to come back and retest?
1: So they can achieve a level assistant all the way up through level four in both seats. So what normally happens is somebody has a stronger seat. You know, not both of us are good at both. Some are. But most of us have a stronger seat that they uh, ride better in because you do have to achieve one level higher as a rider than you do as an instructor so that you can hop on and show a skill. We do have a special considerations policy for those that maybe haven't... Um, Written in a while because they have a hip replacement, knee replacement that they can show us in the past that they wrote at that level. That is definitely fine, but they can get, let's say, assisted in English because they haven't done much in English and then level three in Western because they're primarily work at a raining barn. Um, so, It's not really pass-fail. We certainly have told some people that you can't get certified at all, but most people, after 40 hours of being at the certification, even if they've never taught before, they can crank out an assistant level, and that means that they can be in the arena with another person helping that person. They just can't teach independently yet. So, um, and then if they want to, let's say, they start doing that, and now they're to the point where, gosh, I really want to go back and start teaching independently, we have a six-month rule, and as long as they wait six months before they come back to another certification, they can certainly try for a higher level.
0: Okay, that makes sense. That's really cool, then, how... He, it, like the example that you provided, if, they're, if this person is very experienced in a Western discipline like reigning, but not so much in English, they can kind of teeter-totter between the two and then work up to their English and then have a level three in Western. That's really cool. It's not just yes. one or the other.
1: Yeah, We're very much all breed, all discipline. And I'll tell you, the big thing for us is um, we want to respect both disciplines. You know, and I think sometimes people get kind of stuck. They're like only at a hunter jumper barn or they're only at a, you know, a Western barn and it's fun for them to see the other one and actually to sit in a saddle. And it's normally the Cowboys. I'll be honest with you. The Cowboys from the reigning barns come, And they're like, I haven't ever sat in one of those posted stamps. I don't want to do the English thing. <laughs> and by the end of the five days, the other ladies, cause we have a lot of ladies that get certified, surprise, surprise, will convince that Cowboy to get in that English saddle. And as you well know with Western dressage and all these other, things going on writing is writing and until you get to the really high levels you, if you ride well, you can ride English or Western pretty much your very first time you ride. Um, and then as you get to be, you know, more and more accomplished, of course, you start jumping and doing the harder things, but your basic is your basic riding. And then it really does kind of convince the cowboy um, of, oh, this English thing is actually pretty cool. And some of them, I know for a fact, have gone back to their barns and started to implement other things at their barns in the other discipline because of their interaction with it at a CHA certification. So that's why we do them jointly.
0: That's awesome. It really um, kind of opens that person's world up into another discipline and another way that they can work with their horses and their students. That's really cool. Yes,
1: yeah, it's, it's fun. And it's, it's fun because you really get to know we don't allow more than 10 people at a certification so you're going to have 10 participants plus the two certifiers, and the 12 of you will really get to know each other well. So at the end, you end up with a community, and you all share emails, and normally you end up saying, hey, I've got this one student. She's having a really hard time with rhythm. Um, the posting has been really hard. Do you have any suggestions? And they brainstorm. So a lot of that kind of stuff takes place, too, which is nice.
0: That's really cool. You get your own little network of people that you meet. That's awesome. Um yes. So as a, I know you guys offer a membership base. So could you explain some of the resources that a member of CHA would receive?
1: Absolutely. Now, for those listening that say, I have no I have no desire to be certified because our other certifications include our equine facility manager certification. For those of you that manage boarding barns and dude ranch, things like that, we have trail guides, uh, ones that just do hour-long trail rides all the way up to packing in the wilderness and bringing in the Dutch oven. Um, cookers and the tents and the whole thing Um, and then we have vaulting, we have driving and we also site-accredited equine facilities and all these things whether you're a certified um, barn manager or instructor or facility you're going to get insurance discounts. So that's probably a really big member benefit but if you choose to not do any of that and you're like nope I'm just person who owns a horse I just want more education about 15% of our overall membership right now is you. And it's the 15% that just owns a horse and says, or even is just taking lessons, doesn't even own a horse yet, and says, I just want more education. And you can get on and get our CHA member pricing on all of our manuals, including that composite that's, of course, been updated since 1967. We update it every few years. Um, our Art of Teaching Riding, our, um, oh, our Trail Guide Manual, and then we have a bunch of webinars that are all not on teaching, but on basic horsemanship and is basic riding. Um, we also do a monthly uh, podcast on uh, Horses in the Morning that's also downloadable off our site, a ton of videos. There's all kinds of education. And about 15% of our members, as I said, are now utilizing that because our member discounts are deep. They're almost 50% off the regular price of what something costs.
0: Wow. Those are some really great benefits, especially the, well, the member discounts for one, but then all of the webinars and the video resources, and then the podcast resources. That's, that's a really great way to get started if you're, uh, a little bit new to horses or you want to improve your skills or anything like that. Those are, that's some good stuff.
1: And what's fun about our composite manual, which is our number one selling manual is a self-guided tour through horsemanship. So every level at the end of when you've read it, you have a sample written test that you can take. And then also a riding test that you can give yourself and just go out and do the test that says, you know, trot from here to here and, change your diagonal if it's English here, and you do all these things, and then you can say, yep, I accomplished that, and then you can move on to level two. So you can almost self-evaluate yourself as a writer and say, oh, am I a level one, two, three, or four writer? What level am I working in? And it's not just writing. It's also all the groundwork. So it's things like how to lunge correctly um, if you do that, things like how to groom properly, how to saddle and bridle, and then at the higher levels, how to do a poultice wrap on a horse, how to um, help pack an abscess after your vet's come and said, oh, that's an abscess. You're to put iodine in it every day and pack it. Well, how to do that? So a lot of um, ground handling tips as well as riding tips as you progress through the level.
0: Wow, that's, um, that's really awesome. That's very extensive. That is really cool. I love the, um, the test part at the end of your manual where you can actually go out and test yourself and then kind of work on your own skills at your own pace. That's really, really cool. That's such a great resource.
1: Yeah. And it's just called our composite manual of horsemanship level one through four. Now you can also do individual levels. You can buy the levels separately, the level one manual, then the level two manual. But if you really feel like your goal is to go all the way up to level four, then buy the composite, because of course, it's going to be a whole lot cheaper having them all in one manual.
0: Sure, sure. That makes sense. So I know that you touched on kind of at the beginning, um, all of the disciplines that you're able to certify. So I think that's pretty cool from English and Western all the way to vaulting. So can you just run through the one that I was interested in learning more about um, is the equine facility certification. Um, Could you explain a little bit more about that and what uh, that involves?
1: Yes, I'm so glad you brought that one up because that is our number two after the English Western instructor, most popular one. And the EFM, um, Ecoin Facility Manager, has four levels as well. Unlike the EWI that only has one written test and then you kind of just teach and teach and teach all the way through the levels until you kind of max out on what you know and the certifiers will say, you know, that, that's far enough. The ESM the there's four written tests. So, for those that haven't taken a written test in a while, just prepare yourself for that. And you have to get a B or higher. So you have to get 80% or higher on these written tests. They're all 100 questions. So that's something just to kind of know ahead of time. Now, when you register, you will get um, the book. And unlike the the English Western Instructor, where you don't really have to read the books ahead of time, if you've been teaching a long time, you probably do still do quite well. On the ESM, I'd read the books because there's things like poisonous plants in every single state because we want to make sure that our equine facility managers can get a job in any state. So it's legit information that you probably just don't know off the top of your head even if you've been in the industry forever. So that is one where that's kind of important. And then after each written test, when you achieve your 80% or higher, you get to do the skills. And the two certifiers are looking for things at level one, like haltering, leading, tying, and cross ties and quick release, um, rope halter versus nylon and leather. Um, They're looking at saddling and bridling, English and or Western, you can choose. They're looking at, you know, your basic stall cleaning, your basic feeding of horses, things like that. And then level two, now they're looking at um, starting to not just be the stable worker, but starting to manage a little bit of the outcome. So are you buying the feed um, bulk? Do you have a grain silo? Are you using big round bales, big square bales, big, um, little tiny you know, rectangular bales? What is the cost of those? How are you storing those? You know, What's going on with that? Now they're looking at trailer loading. Can you get a horse in a trailer to be able to take down to your veterinarian if there's an emergency situation? Um, they're looking at, can you lunge the horse? Can you round pen the horse? You know, can you work with the horse to help a client or whoever you have? And, again, not horse training, but being an equine facility manager to be able to handle an issue if it comes up with a a boarded horse or whatever. Then level three, now we're getting some of the HR issues, so the human resource issues, so hiring and firing staff, um, understanding what an I-9 is and a W-2 and a W-9, those types of things. And then level three, um, we're getting into – oh, a lot of your veterinarian before the vet comes kinds of things. So obviously taking vitals is going to be part of this whole journey. It doesn't happen at four, but knowing how to take vitals on a horse is really important. Um, Knowing how to make sure that the horse is quarantined. So now we're going to have kind of biosecurity. So these are people that are running big facilities, like a big university program with, you know, 100 head. How do you biosecure that? What do you do if strangles happen? You know, what do you do if these diseases come up and how do you take care of that and what do you do in that? You're gonna have a lot of budget um, that come across your desk when you're at that level. So how do you make sure that your operation is in the black and not in the red? Um, what's the P&L report? You know, what are these accounting reports? What do they do? So it's a pretty uh, diverse program all the way from a stable worker, just getting started being the helper around the ranch, all the way up to the person full blown running the ranch and hiring and firing and doing all of the um, acquisitions and purchasing of the supplies that are needed to run that facility.
0: There's so much more that goes into running a facility than just, you know, cleaning a stall and feeding the horses every day. It's a full-time, it's a full-time job Um, that, this um, specific program about equine facility management and getting your certification on that, I think is so cool because um, you can have a career in the equine industry doing that job and knowing how to do it well is really important. Um, You know, going back to your mission statement to promote excellence and safety and education for the benefit of the horse industry. That's really awesome that you offer that type of certification
1: yeah. it's It's been a really fast-growing one. It's not been our longest one. Obviously, our longest one is still our English Western one, but we've had this one now, I want to say about 15 years, and it's, it's growing great guns. It's probably one of our fastest-growing ones, um, and it's been great because, you know, every place that you go, like in Hawaii, they don't even feed hay. They only feed hay cubes because it's too expensive to ship hay, and they have no place to grow it on the islands. So knowing all of that kind of information, so no matter where you end up in the horse industry, whatever state, you're going to have some knowledge is, is pretty cool. And it's all part of that program, which is great.
0: Yeah, it's really diverse, it sounds like. That's really, really cool. So um, could you speak a little bit about CHA's grant and scholarship program? I was perusing your website and I saw the blurb about the grant and scholarship program. So I was wondering, um, how does this program help um, members of the equine community get where they need to go within CHA? What, what, What are the different facets of the grant and scholarship program? Yeah, great question. So we provide um, grants and scholarships to
1: those in financial need. So it is for those that really want to get certified because they want to start their career um, teaching. Maybe they're applying to work at a place that says, hey, you have to be certified in order to work here, which we're getting more and more farms and ranches to understand the importance of certification and they are requiring that. Or they want an insurance discount, they're starting on their own, whatever the case may be. And so it is based on financial needs. So you turn in your um, tax reports to us, your W-2s, W-9s, things like that, for us to be able to peruse. And we have a scholarship committee that comes up with the need of where you're at. So it's never a 100% because we believe that everyone should pay a little in order to appreciate what they're getting. Um, So most of our certifications are going to run in between $650 and $950 for the week to be able to be certified. Some of those include meals and lodgings if they're held at a camp or somewhere that has that kind of facility. Others you'd have to pay for your own. Um, Every day you do do get lunch, but the other meals you'd have to cover and your lodging. So we come up with um, kind of we have a formula based on their income and kind of where they're at and some are people that are just getting out of college, they have a lot of debt. Some are people that were doing fine and they just had a tragic accident and they're trying to get back up. Some were doing fine and then they had a big divorce or a big family death, something like that occurred. So it kind of helps everyone um, wherever they're at in their life who are just having a little financial blip be able to still um, provide for their families by being able to become certified.
0: Gotcha. And then the grant program, are you doing anything with um, scientific research or anything like that? Or is it just um, what you just explained earlier for those that are, you know, need some financial assistance?
1: Yeah, the grant program is right now 100% for college students that are in equine programming of some sort who are needing um, to basically go through college. So it helps with their books, and it goes that that money goes directly to their financial aid department at their college or university to be able to help them. So for most of those, they're already certified with us. Um, Let's say that they got certified, you know, at a camp because the camp required it when they were 18, 19. Now they're in college, and they're like, oh, I would really like a little bit of income. So as a CHA member, they can go ahead and apply for that grant. And so we give those grants directly to the college students.
0: Oh, that's super awesome. Very helpful for sure. Um, so, lastly, um, I just have to say, I talking to you and learning more about CHA has been really, really cool. There are so many things that I didn't know about CHA that can benefit me in the horse industry, as well as all of our members, I think in the horse industry can really use this tool to increase, you know, their education, um, and help out their program. So before we conclude, I just wanted to open it up to you to see if you had any final thoughts that you wanted to share, um, Um, Or a topic that we didn't get to touch on during the length of the podcast?
1: Well, one thing that I would like to mention to people, if you all are willing to kind of help us promote this, welcome to the year that we're in. We have a virtual conference going on. And it is um, the first time, Katie, that we've ever done anything like this, right? It's the first time we've ever done a virtual conference and normally they're in person and people get to actually ride on the school horses that are provided. We normally do them at a university or college that has some sort of a riding team. So they have great horses for us to use. Well, this time we can't do that. So we're asking our speakers to go ahead and produce video where the um, instructor actually has their own students at home up on horses. And then that speaker will be on live to answer questions. We'll also have some PowerPoints, things like that. It's going on uh, at the end of the month on Friday, October 30th, but because of virtual land, it's going to be recorded. So if you're busy on Friday, October 30th, it can be watched at any time. And we're going to provide, because you put me on this podcast today, if you go on our website horse, and you go to the registration link to register for the eight-hour event that's happening, you will just have to type in capital AHA, Arabian Horse Association, and you will get our CHA member rate for the day, um, which is a lot less than the actual non-member rate. And it's going to have some amazing speakers. They're going to be talking about saddle fit. They're going to be talking about, um, oh, how to get better canter departs and lead changes, both simple and flying. They're going to be talking about how to do better turnbacks and rollbacks for your Western horsemanship and your reining patterns. It just goes on and on. So it's definitely not just for the instructor. Um, obviously, there'll be an instructor or two topic, but most of it is for the um, horse person in general who's just really interested in horsemanship and finding out more about safety and education and how to ride better and work with their horse better.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. I'll definitely, all of uh, that information will be included in the show notes of this episode. So you can just go ahead and click on the link and then go directly to CHA's website um, and get that started. And I'll also leave that um, promo code as well in the show notes too. Um, And then lastly, Christy, where can people find more information about CHA? Do you have social media website? I know you mentioned you had a podcast. Um, Where can folks find you guys?
1: We do. So the best place is CHA.HORSE, and that's a newly created website that we did earlier this year we're very excited about. And then um, we do have social media, you just put in CHA instructors, and we come up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have so many YouTube videos that are all free um, for you to learn more about different things. Um, as far as riding, everything from very beginner level one stuff all the way up to very advanced level four stuff is all on our YouTube channel. And um, once again, it's DHA instructors on any of our social media and our website is DHA.horse.
0: Awesome. And once again, I'll include all of that in the show notes as well. So you can just click the link and go directly to there. Um, Well, thank you, Christy, for coming on our podcast, The Arabian Horse Connection. I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed talking to you um, more about CHA and what you guys do.
1: Thank you, Katie, so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I hope you have a great rest of your day. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arabian Horse Connection, the official podcast of the Arabian Horse Association, where we showcase the diversity of the Arabian horse community from industry titans, backyard heroes, and amateur contenders. Do you think you might have content for the Arabian Horse Connection podcast? We would love to hear from you. Please send your suggestions to marketing at arabianhorses.org. We'll see you next time, folks.